Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now, here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 13 called The Day of the Lord is Near. But immediately after the trouble of those days, tribulation, what will happen? The sun will be darkened, sixth seal. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the tribes of the earth will rejoice. No, what's your Bible say? All the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see Right in your margin, Revelation 1, 7, every eye will see him. The Son of Man coming on the clouds, that's not rain clouds, but clouds of glory. The clouds of the sky with power and great glory. The natural lights are out, and here he comes. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet. Sound familiar? And they will gather together who? His elect from the four winds, from one end of the sky to the other, brothers and sisters, I think what you have there is a rapture. Now, some people say, but no, Matthew 24 is written to the Jews, okay? Go to Luke 21. Luke 21. This is written, many believe, from a Gentile author. Luke is the only Gentile writer of a New Testament book, by the way. And here's what Luke records Jesus saying. Luke 21. This is a sad time. You will be delivered, 16, Luke 21, up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all on account of whose name? Jesus' name, my name. Yet not a hair of your head will perish, Luke 21, 19. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. But when you see Jerusalem... Surrounded by armies, then recognize that her desolation is at hand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of the city depart. Let not those who are in the country enter the city, because these are days of vengeance, in order that all things which are written may be fulfilled. Woe to those who are with child, 23, to those who nurse babes in those days, for there will be great distress upon the land and wrath to his people. Now that is Satan's wrath, not God's wrath. They will fall by the edge of the sword, will be led captive into all the nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And there will be signs, where? In sun and moon and stars, and upon the earth dismay among nations, in perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves, men fainting from fear, at the, and the expectation of the things which are coming upon the world, heart attacks and so forth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then, what will they see? They will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. But when these things begin to take place, straighten up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Now, a lot of people say, they study Matthew 24 and they say, okay, I've heard, no, the, the par- there's a parable of the fig tree. The fig tree is Israel 
And so when you see Israel get back into the land, uh, there's going to be a generation, and they try to figure out a generation. And so the fig tree is Israel, and, and uh, this, is a, 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 this is a message aimed at Israel, not really at the church. But look at what Jesus says. Just follow the text. And he told them a parable. What's a parable? It's an earthly story with what? Spiritual point, heavenly meaning. He says, behold the fig tree in what? In all the trees. As soon as they put forth leaves, you see, you see it and know for yourselves that summer is now near. Even so, you too, when you see these things, what things? Cosmic disturbances, trouble, uh, and I would even submit to you the abomination of desolation. When you see these things happening, recognize the kingdom of God is near. Truly I say to you, this generation, which one? The one that saw the reblooming of the fig tree, Israel, 1967, 48. Was it 40 years from 48? 88? 88 reasons why Jesus must return in 1988? No, that was wrong. 67 reasons why he must return, whatever. Well, from 1967, it's now 2011, so the biblical generation is 40 years. We've missed that date as well. I don't think Jesus is saying that the fig tree is Israel here. I think what he's saying is basically look at a tree. When you see the leaves begin to give the fruit, you know summer is near. And when you see these things happening, look up, because guess who's coming? Jesus is coming. And I don't think he's talking about two second comings. I think when the Lord comes, he's going to rescue his people between the sixth and seventh seal, pull them out, because we have not been appointed to wrath, but to receive salvation. And then he's going to do what? Judge the world in the seventh seal. Are you with me? So what does this mean? Why am I emphasizing this? Because I know and I respect a lot of Bible teachers who teach a pre-tribulation rapture, and personally, if I had a vote, I would vote for that, but I don't have a vote. But what we don't tend to realize in America is that the church has always experienced persecution. Right now, the church is experiencing, even now, radical persecution all over the world. Your brothers and sisters in other nations today are dying for their faith, being sold into slavery, having uh, family members abused terribly. Do we think that we're off the hook because we're in America? See? So th the point is this. If you have watched a movie before and you thought, well, we should be out of here, well, what if you start to see a temple get rebuilt and you begin to see some things fold and unfold. And let's see, say that you see an Antichrist go into the Jewish temple and begin to proclaim himself to be God. Are you going to say, I missed the rapture. But Pastor Michael's still here. Well, that's because he taught that other view, right? No. No. You see, what that view could do to some souls is believe that we're going to be out of here. So then when you start to see some things unfold and maybe uh, tribulation and persecution begins to radiate from Jerusalem to the church, you begin to say, I'm not prepared for this. Look, none of us want to deal with that kind of persecution, but the truth is it's happening right now. And the Bible does indicate that the church is going to th go through tribulation. Tribulation is not the day of the Lord. See the difference? It's trouble, Okay. Go to 2 Thessalonians for a minute. Uh, I've got to show you these texts. It's just too good. Go to 1 Thessalonians first, and then we'll go to 2. <laughs> 1 Thessalonians chapter 
4. So they had questions about the rapture and the day of the Lord in the church. And so Paul corrects, encourages, instructs 1 Thessalonians 4.13. We do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep. That's a metaphor for death. That you may not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God, 1 Thessalonians 4.14, will bring with him those who have fallen asleep or died in Jesus. For this we say to you, it's not opinion, it's by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain, that word remain could, could be translated survive, until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep or died. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with what? A trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. The resurrection and the rapture will both happen when? At the second coming of Jesus Christ. And they're basically simultaneous, but the dead in Christ will go right before the raptured church. We will not precede those who have died. So it's basically, if you like to think of it this way, we're grabbing their heel, okay? They're going first, and then the rapture of the church happens when the Lord descends from heaven with the trumpet and so forth. Then we who are alive and remain, 17, shall be caught up. That Greek word means to be grabbed by force together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus shall we always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. No chapter break in the original letter. Keep reading. Now as to the times and seasons, epics, brethren, what's the context? The rapture. You have no need of anything to be written to you. And the resurrection is in context. For you yourselves know full well that what? The day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. There was even a movie called The Thief in the Night. While they are saying, peace and safety. Who's the they? Then destruction will come upon them suddenly. Who's the they? Who's destruction coming on? What's the day of the Lord about? It's about judgment and destruction. They'll be saying peace and safety. Why would they be saying this? Let's say, let's just, for the sake of argument, say the church is going through a portion of Daniel's 70th week. Why would the world at this point, with all the trouble going on, inflated prices and and death and pestilence and war, why would they be saying peace and safety? Because their hero has arrived. His name is the Antichrist. He's got it. We've finally got our leader. Who can wage war with, with him, right? Apparently, he even gets a fatal wound and he survives it. Who was able to make war with the beast, right? Who's like him? Taking language that really belongs to God. So they'll be saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly. Remember this image, like birth pangs upon a woman with child and they shall not escape. It'll be inescapable, just like when you're going into labor and you're gonna have that baby, it's inescapable. But you... They're saying peace and safety, but you, brethren, are what? Not in darkness that the day. What day? What's the context? The day of the Lord should overtake you like a thief. You will not be surprised by the day of the Lord. Now, you say, but Pastor Michael, we heard about that preacher. Nobody knows the day or the hour. Exactly. 
Nobody knows the day or the hour. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Join Pastor Michael Lance for the first free Apologetic 633 event of the year. We have a special guest, Scott Klusendorf, who is coming to deal with the issue of the sanctity of life and give us good, strong arguments for the pro-life position and just the important topic of human life that were made in the image of God. Learn how to persuasively and lovingly defend your views in the public square. And he will do this from Scripture, but also just outside the Bible, just using logical and even scientific arguments. Interact with the 633 event in his image, A Case for Life, in a post-Roe v. Wade world with guest Scott Klusendorf on January 23rd at 6.33 p.m. Pacific Time. You're welcome to come to the free event in Southern California, but if you can't, it will be live-streamed on the Living Truth Christian Fellowship YouTube channel, and you'll be able to interact with questions from there. That's the Living Truth Christian Fellowship YouTube channel, which you can find on walkintruth.com. God bless you. Hey, keep the event in prayer, and hopefully we'll see you right here. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Things upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. It'll be inescapable, just like when you're going into labor and you're going to have that baby, it's inescapable. But you, they're saying peace and safety, but you, brethren, are what? Not in darkness that the day. What day? What's the context? The day of the Lord should overtake you like a thief. You will not be surprised by the day of the Lord. Now, you say, but Pastor Michael, we heard about that preacher. Nobody knows the day or the hour. Exactly. Nobody knows the day or the hour. Did Jesus say that nobody knows the season? No, he says, you, you'll know the season He said, when you see these things happening, look up. Your redemption is near. He already told you what to look for in Matthew 24 and Luke 21. What he said is you won't know the precise day or hour. Why? Because the Lord is going to cut short the time of trouble for the sake of who? The elect. So what you won't know is the day or the hour. You are not, by contrast, in darkness that the day should overtake you like what? A thief. You'll know because you'll know the signs of the times. Go to 2 Thessalonians. Just one book toward Revelation. Now Paul continues to talk about this theme. Now we request 2 Thessalonians 2.1. We request you, brethren, with regard to the coming, there's the second coming of Jesus, of our Lord Jesus Christ, and our gathering together to him. What's that? What's our gathering together to him? It's the rapture, right? That you may not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us to the effect that what? The day of the Lord has come. Apparently some people were going around the Thessalonian congregation and saying the day of the Lord already came and your, your loved one has died and missed it and all this confusion was happening. Paul says, don't let anybody disturb you thinking or telling you that the day of the Lord has come and saying that that's from us, that's false. Let no one in any way deceive you for it, what, what is it in context? The day of the Lord will not come unless the apostasy comes first. Apostasy means falling away. Notice, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, 
the son of destruction. So does the Bible teach that a couple of things need to happen before the day of the Lord commences? What have we learned? There's going to be the arrival of Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord. The sun, moon, and stars will grow dark before the great and terrible day of the Lord. There's going to be an apostasy before the great and terrible day of the Lord. And what's, what else is going to happen? The man of lawlessness will be revealed. What's the word revealed mean? He's going to be made known or manifest, right? He opposes for and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. Do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things? And you know what restrains him now? I'm not going to get into the restrainer right now. So that in his time, he may be revealed. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way or literally taken out of the middle. Then that lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by what? The appearing of his coming. And people who don't respond to the gospel, unfortunately, will be deceived. That is the one who's coming in accord with the activity of Satan. He's empowered by Satan. With all power and signs and false wonders, with all deception of wickedness, for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. And for this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they might believe what is false or believe the lie in order that all may be judged who did not believe the truth but took pleasure in wickedness. Wow. The day of the Lord. It's a heavy, heavy thing, isn't it? And we're given a lot of insight in Scripture. And everyone who talks about it, have you seen that they seem to agree with each other? Imagine this. Do you realize when all these people were writing that the eight to nine Old Testament authors uh, were writing autonomously? They were often on different continents, writing at different time periods. They didn't even know each other. Most did not even have access to one another's literature. But they all write about the same thing. They all tell you that the uh, situation will be similar. This is what will be happening. Jesus says the same thing. John says the same thing. Paul says the same thing. And you begin to say, this appears to be a supernatural book with a theme about this day of the Lord, that God is going to invade humanity. But before he invades humanity, he is going to save his people from persecution and from the wrath of Satan. And that's the hope that we have. And by the way, this will only really matter, all this timing that I've laid out for you will only really matter to one generation. You know who it'll matter to? The ones that are here when all this stuff begins to happen. Did you know that up until technically 1967, Jesus Christ couldn't have come back? (gasps) Pastor Michael, how could you say that? Well, because the Jews were not back in the land until 1948. They didn't get Jerusalem, control of Jerusalem until 67. And what is one of the main features that has to take place in the end times. There has to be what? A temple for the Antichrist to go in and do his abomination of desolation. So let me ask you guys, up until 1967, was there some sign that had to take place for Jesus Christ to actually return? Yeah, the Jews had to be in their land. So when you see signs associated with this end times, don't let it throw you off. 
because the Lord has given uh, indicators that we can look to. We can know the signs of the times. Now they're back in the land. And if you turn on your news and you see armies starting to surround Jerusalem, let me say something to you. Get water (laughs) and bread and go into prayer and look forward in anticipation because your redemption is drawing near. I mean, the world conditions are really interesting right now and we are not going to uh, in any way try to pin the tail on the Antichrist nor are we going to even attempt to try to set a date because that's just foolishness. But we are to be wise people, amen? So what does this do for us as Christians? How does a teaching like the day of the Lord motivate you? Well, it tells you something about the nature of God. God is not only loving, he is what? Holy. And this teaching ought to motivate us to be prepared, pure, and being, practicing, or going about our Father's business. If you want to know how to respond to this, that's how you respond. You, you look forward to that blessed hope with preparedness, with living a pure life, and going out and practicing what you believe, knowing that there's an urgency for the time. Because we don't know what a day will bring. For most people, they might, may not, this generation may not see the return of Christ, but they're going to see their own mortality come to an end. We're all going to have a day, should the Lord tarry and not come in our lifetime, when we're going to, what, face our own mortality. And then all that's really going to matter is what we did for the kingdom of God, right? The legacy we left, those that we love, the, the ministry that we put our hands to, the people that we went onto the highways and byways and told them, come in and come and know the king. Amen? You've been listening to The Day of the Lord is Near, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 13. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to learn more about Walk in Truth, our church, and the events and studies we have going on, then download our free Living Truth app from your app store. The Living Truth app is the one with the red logo with the pillars. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, the bottom line is that Jesus Christ is coming again. Praise the Lord. The king will come and he will set up his kingdom and he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. And we have great hope because we know how the story ends. We know how the book ends. And in the middle of the story, what do we do? Well, we live in light of the return of Jesus Christ. We live in light of that promised coming kingdom. And we live for the king. And we do what he calls us to do until we go to be with him or he comes for us. This is Pastor Michael Lance. We're moving through the incredible book of Isaiah. We just finished chapter 13 right here on Walk in Truth. And we're going to get into Isaiah chapter 14 next time as we deal with a prophecy that many see as a prophetic picture of Lucifer or the devil. Now that's a little bit debated, but As you will see as we go through the text, there are many reasons to believe that this is about the fallen one, uh, Lucifer himself. But it is a prophecy that anchors itself in something about the king of Babylon. And uh, so it is, once again, I believe it's got a near, well, we could say near-far fulfillment, but let's say it another way. It's, It's got a 
uh, a dual fulfillment. Uh, there is a, another figure behind the king of Babylon. We'll, we'll examine that more right here in Isaiah chapter 14 on Walk in Truth. I'm glad you're listening, and I would just say this. If you've not met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, well, today, it's always the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. I just heard uh, this morning that Ray Bentley passed away of Maranatha Chapel in San Diego, part of the Calvary Chapel movement, a really wonderful pastor, ministered to a lot of people over the years. He's gone home to be with the Lord. It is a reminder, and I don't have Ray's age right in front of me, but he's, he wasn't that old of a guy. It's a reminder that life is temporal, um, these bodies are temporal, but we have a building from God made in the heavens that will be eternal. And we're so grateful for that. And I do want to just lift up Ray's family and church family and pray that the Lord would strengthen all of you. If you're a, a listener and you're part of that family, um, our prayers and our hearts do go out to you. But I think the lesson for all of us who are still here is let's uh, live every day in light of the fact that life is temporary and we do what we can to extend the kingdom of God and the beauty and the love and the joy and the truth that he has given to us. Well, I love you all. This is Pastor Michael. On behalf of the team of Walk in Truth, thank you so much. We love you. Pray for us. We'll pray for you. And we'll see you, Lord willing, tomorrow. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Isaiah chapter 14 called A Prophecy About Lucifer. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.